team. Well, good morning to all of you watching on uh, live stream. It's a pleasure and a, a beautiful occasion to be in church this morning. Um, I hope all of you are good at home, um, staying healthy, but above all, uh, staying focused on the power of God to be able to meet your need, uh, not only today, but in the days ahead. So before we get into God's word, I'd just like to pause for a word of prayer, and then we'll um, get into what God has for us this morning. Father, we thank you for this marvelous opportunity of coming into your presence again. You have said in your word, Lord, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm present in the midst of them. And this morning we are gathered together, a few of us here in church, but many, many little groups out there in uh, homes, in living rooms, some may be driving in cars, Lord, but you're present in the midst of them. Lord, I pray this morning that your word will strengthen your people and Lord, there will be a refreshment of their spirit, a lifting up of their spirits as only you can do. And so Lord, we commit this next uh, few minutes into your hands. We pray that you will minister to us through your word in Jesus' precious name, amen. Um, it, I was telling Brother Andrew, it's a bit um, strange to speak to an empty church. I can see Brother Andrew and I can see a few of the singers. Um, and I'm one who normally likes to move around the stage a little bit. And I've been told if I do that, there are two marksmen sitting at the back of the church. And uh, I will uh, collapse to the ground if I do that. So I will try my best not to do so. Uh, and... Um, but I believe God has a word for us this morning, and uh, I'll get straight into it. A beautiful passage that Brother Andrew read uh, to us from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to verse uh, 21. In fact, that whole passage is a prayer that the Apostle Paul recommended to the early Christian church, and uh, indeed a prayer very appropriate for us in today's climate as to what's going on. So uh, I'm going to focus very much on uh, one verse, and we'll look at just a couple of other verses in this passage. But this verse has been uh, a life verse to me and my family. And uh, I would like to uh, wholly recommend it to you. I mean, all of Scripture is inspired by God, and it's, uh, it's good for us. But this one verse is an amazing verse which uh, can lift us up from the depths of despair into the heights of uh, ecstasy and glory in God. And it is verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You know, at the beginning of creation, uh, God created a perfect world and uh, he brought forth a perfect man to indwell that earth that he created. But the curse of sin ruined the, uh, the goodness that God had planned for us. It's not that God stopped being good, but uh, for us as we committed sin, 
the effects of sin start to ruin that original plan of God. And so things like uh, we started to show the fruit of our sin and things like uh, enmity, sorrow, thorns, thistles, sweat, death, and dust became just normal things for human beings. And uh, how wonderful it would have been in those early days that if today we could have just uh, planted a seed and it would just spring up without any problems and uh, yield fruit. Uh, but you and I both know that uh, it's hard work. Agriculture is hard work. Thorns and thistles have taken over. They don't need any encouragement to grow. They grow when you don't ask them to grow. But, uh, but this is a result of what sin did. And not only that, our eternality was significantly altered and relationships were affected. And you know, the very soon after that event of the first sin, uh, murder came into the picture and uh, God had to deal with that in order to not wipe man out. He provided a solution for that. Our eternality was affected. We were meant to live eternally with God, but sin put an end to that. God said, I'm going to now restrict your time on earth. And um, we know from scripture that in the early days, man lived to a long ripe age. But today it's given to us uh, three score and 10, which is 70 years to live. And uh, some of us know that even that is a tall order in today's climate. People are dying much younger than that. And this is all a consequence of the curse of sin and the way that uh, the world has evolved without God. In his mercy though, God offered to us some things. He offered, gave us his commandments. He gave us some judgments to deal with our social issues. And he gave us some ordinances or some religious uh, things that we should do to connect back with God. Um, and in fact, in Deuteronomy chapter four, the people who lived around the Israelites at that time after the children of Israel had exited Egypt and they had gone into, um, they had gone into uh, the desert and they were going through that process that God was taking them into the promised land. Uh, all the people who lived around said, oh wow, what a nation you are, you're blessed. You got God traveling with you, we can see it. Uh, you got his protection. You got uh, his uh, favor upon you. Uh, who's got words? Who's got commandments like what the Lord has given you? And they were quite envious. They wanted to buy into that. But of course, they were not allowed to for a period of time because that, that was meant for Israel as a chosen race of God. And uh, he instituted, God instituted a sacrificial system to cover sin and to restore relationship with God. He, he ordered that a lamb be slain and the blood brought before uh, the mercy seat and poured on the mercy seat, which will then cover up the sins of uh, the children of Israel. And uh, God would be able to commune again with his people. All this to tell you that God is in the process of restoration. He wants to uh, 
wants us to truly find our identity in what he created us for. He wanted us, he wants us to get back in relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so God stopped the deterioration and the unraveling of our lives and gave us the facility to become new creations in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. And that's the newness, the freshness that God wants to offer to every single human being. He doesn't want you to live a life that is defeated, a life that is cursed by sin, a life that's starting to unravel, a life full of brokenness and, uh, and defeat and disappointment. But God wants you to be a new creation. And God wants His Spirit to live within you and to give you that life that He created you for. And that's just not for now. It's for the future and it's for eternity. God says that those who accept the Lord Jesus Christ not, not only have salvation, have assurance of their sins forgiven, but they also have assurance of life forevermore with our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. That where I am, you may be also. And so Jesus is coming one day in the not too distant future. All of prophecy is pointing out that Jesus is coming again. The other day someone asked me, uh, are these um, plagues that are afflicting us signs of the end times? Of course, the answer is that none of us know when Jesus is coming again. Uh, the Bible clearly says that. Only the Father knows. But these are forerunners to what will happen in greater degree when Jesus comes. There'll be wars, there'll be massive plagues. Just imagine that uh, if he had four plagues, the, the size of the one that's confronting us now, hitting the earth from all four corners, where would we be? And uh, things would just unravel so quickly. I, I was amazed that as I... Uh, talk to some people how our very stable economy has become unraveled in a short space of three months. Uh, it's as if uh, you peeled an onion and, you know, as you peel an onion, you peel layer after layer after layer. And it's as if the, uh, the, the, the stability that existed with the economies of the world seemed to have been delayered. That layers have come off and we are just hanging on by a fragile thread and uh, hoping that things will improve. We've never seen unemployment at the levels that they are. And we all know, simple economics tell us that uh, it's only the people who spend money that keep economies running. And so we have to uh, be aware that the, the world is unraveling and there's only one person who can bring calmness and serenity to this uh, disturbed world of ours, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming again. He will make all things new. He will make all things right when he comes back again. But for now, he has given us the wonderful gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if, if you would put your faith in him, and if you would come to him, that God would do an amazing thing to calm your heart to provide for you the way that you never thought 
you could provide. And that's the secret of this verse that we are going to look at. So let me get, give you three points, and we are not going to be long this morning. I'm going to give you three points. And uh, I pray, I sincerely pray, that as you reflect on these, that today, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would say, I need that Savior in my life. My life is unraveled. My life has lost control. I'm going down a slippery slope, but through Christ, thank God, I can get back on track. Through God's strength in my life, I can live the life that he planned for me to live. The first thought I want to leave with you is the fact that God is in control through his power. No matter what is happening in the world around us, be assured that God has not lost control. He is in control. And uh, you look at the first part of this verse, it says, Now unto him that is able. Now unto him, unto God, who is able. Our God is able. Our God can, is full of control. He can do things that we human beings cannot do. And I wish today in, the, in your living rooms this morning, would you just uh, turn to the person next to you and just say these words, Our God is able. Say it. Proclaim it. Uh, let that become a truth in your life. God is in control. And now I'll read to you a verse that King David prayed just before he handed the reins over to his son Solomon. And it's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 11. And I'm going to read it to you. And this is a fantastic verse which fills you with so much confidence that God is in control. And this is what he said. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. Thou art exalted as head above all. Wow, what a verse. What a verse to give confidence to a world that has lost confidence. I wish you would take that verse and, uh, and proclaim it. And, and like David prayed, he looked up to heaven and he saw, and he prayed to God and said, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, your power, your glory, your victory, your majesty. That's what we need today. We need God to become Lord of our lives so that we experience his control in our lives and in, in the lives of all those who trust in him. Nothing slips out of his focus. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God never sleeps. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And the eyes of the Lord are running throughout the world and it rests on those whose hearts are turned towards him. Do you want God's attention this morning upon your life, upon your circumstance? 
upon your disappointment, upon your weakness this morning, I tell you, turn your heart to God. Your brokenness will turn God's eyes towards you. And God's eyes just focuses on you. It's not that he doesn't know what you're going through. Hey, God helps those who would call upon him for help. Because you know, sometimes God tries to help you and what do you do? You push God aside. I don't need you, God. I'm okay. You know, I've known people who would say when the, they met with an accident and in, in, uh, in the hospital bed and they say things like, um, well, God, if you, if you bring me out of this, I will serve you with all my heart. And, um, and God says, okay, heard the prayer. And uh, so three weeks later, miraculously, the person recovers. And, uh, and guess what happens? He serves the Lord with all his heart, right? Maybe one out of ten. Nine out of ten times you find that people just wander away from God and start doing their own thing. Well, if you don't believe me, read the Bible. Read the, uh, the chronicle of uh, the Israelite kings as laid out in the Bible. And how many times God would say, well, I love you so much. I'm going to forgive you of those sins. Would you walk with me? Would you keep my commandments? And, and the people would uh, say, yes, we will do it. But very soon they'll be back into idolatry, doing the things that the world outside does. And... Uh, and God will again bring some punishment into their life, some judgment. And repeatedly this cycle would go on and on. But God's eyes are roaming today. Is he roaming? Is he in your living room this morning? Is he seeing the problems that you're facing this morning? I'm telling you that if you just turn your heart towards him, even a flicker of a turn, even a minute angle of a turn of your heart towards God, God's eyes focus upon you. And he will, he will do something in your heart that would change you massively and give you uh, eternal life that only he can give that nobody else can supply. He works all things, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 11, according to the counsel of his will. You know, God has a will that he wants to perform and he performs all things according to that Counsel. Proverbs 19.21 said these many are the plans of man, but it is God's purpose that will stand. And so we can make plans, we can do things, but it's God's purpose that will stand. And uh, you know, no matter what people believe today, there is coming a day when God will judge the whole world. If you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, it might be a very fearful confrontation that you will have with God. And it's called the great white throne judgment. It's found in the scriptures. If you care to read the book of Revelation, you'll read all about it. And that every person who's ever lived will turn up. That day will never end. There will be no night or there will be no day. Everyone will take their turn in confronting the God who gave them chance after chance after chance, and they rejected him. And they will be judged according to their works, not according to the grace that Jesus would provide. And everyone whose name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life 
would spend their eternity in hell. And God doesn't wish that on anyone. God doesn't wish that on anybody. So I will share with you shortly what God did to stop that rot and to bring some life and eternal life back into um, reach of all of us. Our God is able. He is in control. Our God is able to change situations. In the Old Testament, there are many stories told about how God changed situations amazingly. He, the three Hebrew children in Daniel chapter 3, who refused to worship the image of the king. And the king said to them, if you don't worship me or this image, I'm going to throw you into a fire. And um, they said, well, king, we are not going to do it. And their words were this. They said, our God is able to deliver us from this fire. Our God is able to deliver us from this fire. And so the king made that fire seven times stronger. And uh, it was so hot that even the guys who approached it fell down dead. And they threw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fire. And uh, they thought, well, they'll all surely will be incinerated within seconds. And to their surprise, after about maybe a couple of minutes, they saw uh, not three, but four men inside the fire. And uh, the king checked his notebook and said, I thought we threw three, but there are four. And they were counting one, two, three, four. Yeah, there are four people. How did this happen? And, uh, and the king knew there's something amazing happening here. Because the people proclaimed, these three proclaimed that our God is able to deliver us from this fire. And so he brings them out. And you know what? Not a hair is singed. How many of you try to light a fire with uh, petrol? I have done and uh, found out the bad way that it does singe your hairs on your skin. Never try to do it at home, okay? But here's a fire which was far more massive and hotter. And they are not, there was so, no smell of fire even. Their clothes were not burnt. And uh, there was a fourth man, but only three came out. And guess who the fourth person was? It was the Lord Jesus himself, who came and stood with his children as they walked through that fire. You're going through a fiery time at the moment? You know our God is able. Our God is able to step into your situation. Do you believe it? You know, he's able to control that situation that seems to be out of control. Would you submit to God? Would you make your heart lift towards God this morning and say, God, I need your help. I know you're in control. Now unto him that is able. I know you're able. Lord, you keep this whole world in complete control through your power. You know, not one thing is out of place in the movement of the planets and the whole um, system that God created. The Bible says in Colossians chapter one, by him all things were created and him all things consist. We consist, we are stable, we are what we are because 
of God. You know, I, I was just talking about this. The virus, of course, takes prime time on TV and every other conversation that goes on. And um, someone was asking the question about why did, why did it take so long for one virus to do this kind of damage? And I said to him, you know what? I think it's God's grace. I think he stopped a lot of stuff coming out at us. He is, through his power, he has subdued a lot of stuff that could happen to us. It shows how easy it is that if God were to take away his hand, I'm telling you, we, we will all be in very desperate times because we'll be all just vanquished, vanquished quickly. God is in control. He knows what he is about. And uh, it's amazing. I hear some amazing stories how this, this pandemic has brought people who never, ever trust God. They've humbled them and brought them down to open a Bible that they've never opened and they found Jesus. You know, the hardened hearts are being broken because people are turning to God. Yesterday I was on a call to my sister in Sri Lanka and she, she was telling me the story of an air hostess who uh, was a Buddhist, got quarantined in Kuwait. She was, her flight, last flight was in Kuwait, so they quarantined her there. And uh, she uh, was so bored, she had nothing to do. She decided to go to an American church in Kuwait. Heard the gospel for the first time. Gloriously converted. Just one hearing of the gospel, she knew what she had believed all her life was rubbish. That she was worshipping dead things, idols that couldn't give life. She gave her life to God. And then said to her family back in Sri Lanka, they said, I found the greatest joy, the greatest gift that God can give is the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to accept him. And the whole family heard her message and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. A staunch Buddhist family. In their lostness, didn't know God, but God's mercy reached out to that one lady and the whole family got saved. Within a few weeks of her coming to know the Lord, the coronavirus got her and she died. And the father in his eulogy said this, my only regret is that I couldn't get to heaven before she did and that she is worshiping God. Oh, what glory. And uh, you know, thousands heard that message and thousands are aware that God is working. That if you turn to God, this God that, who is able, is able to break through some hard hearts and give you that life that you so desperately need. Not only is God in control, but God is our conqueror. And the second part of that verse says this, that he is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. You know, God is beyond your words and God is beyond your thoughts. The Bible says that his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And uh, the words that he speaks into your life are more powerful 
than you would ever speak. I wonder whether we sometimes undersell ourselves when we come to God and we utter feeble prayers. We as people who just pray according to what we believe God can do. Do you know what God can do? He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Our God is a God of the supernatural. Our God doesn't think humanly. He thinks as God thinks. And the plans, he said in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. To do you good, to give you a desired end. And oh, that my people, he said later on, would turn to me, that they would pray to me, they would come to me and find me when I can be found and their lives can be changed. You know how much we devalue God in our lives. You know, do you wake up every morning and say, God, I know you're able. I know you're able to do exceedingly above all what I am even thinking now. Lord, this situation in my home, I don't know how to solve it, God. But I know you can do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. Lord, I can't even think. I can't even pray. My spirit is so heavy. And the Bible says when you don't know how to pray, the spirit himself steps in. And he prays on your behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. Oh, what blessing. What blessedness that is. That God would just step into our everyday lives. And he is the conqueror. He can do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. I say this, that he gives us his salvation. I mean, those of you who do not know him, you can't get to heaven through your good works. Because your good works will are as filthy rags, the Bible says. They cannot pay or they come to the standard. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so Jesus, God sent Jesus, his only beloved son, a redeemer who was promised. And what he did was he came and he lived a perfect life. And he identified with us as man. And then he said, I am going to die as a substitute for their sin. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And our, our blood would be useless because it's tainted blood. It's sinful blood. And it can't, it can't take away sin. But the blood of Jesus can. The sinless son of God. And he said, I'm going to take the sins of the whole world upon me. And as he hung on that cross 2,000 years ago. And he carried the weight of the sins of the whole world. The past the present and the future. And he, and, he, and he gave that up as an offering to God, that he, his blood would cover the sins of the whole world. And, uh, and God would, uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says this, um, 1 Peter 1 verse Sorry, let me get this right. 1 Peter 1, 2.24. 1, 1 Peter 2.24. 
Let me read this to you. It says, who his own self bear his sin in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. He bore on his body the weight of sin and by his stripes, by his stripes, you are healed. Because of his blood, your sins are cleansed. The effect of sin is removed. You're healed. Your whole life becomes renewed. It's a new life that God gives you. You need healing in your life. Has sin left a scar so terrible, a wound so deep, that no, nothing can take away that pain? Jesus said, I died for your sins. By my stripes, you can be healed. My blood avails for you, no matter how deep that sin, how dirty that sin. God says, my son's blood is able, it's exceedingly above all that you can ask or think. Our God conquered the pollution of sin, the corruption of sin through his death on the cross. And he now offers that to you and he offers that to me, and he says, if sin is tainting your life, if sin is preventing you from a relationship with God, God says, the death of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is available for you. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, what a beautiful thought that is. That everything you've done will be wiped absolutely clean. And when God forgets, forgives, he forgets. And he sets you up on your feet. He puts his spirit within you. And he says, any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And you walk with Jesus from that point on, knowing that his power is going to help you to live the life that he wants you to live. God conquers through his love. The love that drew salvation plan. And if in this passage that Andrew read for us, there is... The prayer that in verse 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Now that's an impossible thing, isn't it? How do you know something that passes knowledge? It is a love beyond, exceedingly above. You can't even comprehend it. But God went to that extreme. He said, you know, try and measure it. Try and measure the height of this love. Try and measure the depth of this love. Try and measure the width, the breadth of this love. You can't measure it. It uh, passes knowledge. You can't, you can't comprehend it in your mind. That's how great Christ's love is. And this is the love, and the Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to do two things. I want you to be rooted and grounded in this love. I want to have, you to have firm roots, be strong, you know, let your roots go deep down into this love of God, and it cannot shake you. And I want you to be grounded. Let your foundation that you're building on be 
based on the love of Christ. In today's society, we have so much going on in relationships. There's a lack of love. There's hatred. There's bitterness. There is fault finding. There is uh, aggression. And God says, you know what? Today, my love is exceeding abundant. It can come into your life and it can just change the way you deal with one another. It will change the way you deal with God. Because if you are firmly rooted and grounded in the love of God, God puts that love into your heart. And Romans chapter 5, I think it says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. One of the first acts that Jesus did when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because love is so necessary to, for us to live the Christian life. Without love, we are nothing. That's what the apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He gives you the salvation that is in Christ. He gives you the security that you have in Christ and he gives you the satisfaction that is in Christ. Have you been satisfied with what the world has offered you today? Some of you say, yeah, I've built, I've built some good things in the world. Where are they now? Are they giving you satisfaction? Are you, is your soul in a good place? There's a woman in the Bible who came to Jesus and she's tried all kinds of things. She was a passionate woman and she'd had five husbands. She tried one husband after another, after another. I said, if I only find that right man who come along and I'll be all right, my soul will be happy. And she'd uh, not found her happiness and there she was, uh, come to draw some water and Jesus, divinely knowing that she would be there, she said, I must needs go through Samaria and Jesus detoured and met and met this woman at this well and said to her, I'm going to give you, I can give you some water that if you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. I said, what? What kind of water is that? And then Jesus went on to explain that what is of the spirit is spirit, what is of the flesh is flesh. And he was talking about our inner man, our spirit life, that it can never be satisfied with the things of the world. And God gave her the satisfaction in Christ as he explained to her that it was, that he is the one who could give her that life. And she had immediately an assurance of sins forgiven. She had a freedom as if the burden just lifted from her shoulder. And she ran back to her village. I don't know how far it was. She ran back to her village and she became the greatest evangelist. She said, come on, come on, everyone. Come and see this man who can give you your deepest thirst, who can quench your deepest thirst. And the whole village came and got saved. God can fill the deepest need in your life. He can do exceedingly abundantly. God has given us a conqueror's mindset. He... he he gives us, he, he links the supernatural to us, ourselves, the natural. He has given us divine life, the Bible says. He puts his divine nature within us. And we are able to think things so much more differently. You know, often you find that when you face conflict in life, your first reaction is to, like for example, when someone cuts you off on the road, your first reaction is very much, uh, um, 
what we call a very human reaction, which is, uh, you know, clench your fist, thump your steering wheel. Don't do that because you might break some bones, as I nearly found the other day, uh, if you thump it too hard. So don't, don't do that. But I've noticed, I've noticed that when you, against the odds, when you give way to somebody, and not only do you give way, you, you slow up so that you put some, how many of you have given way to someone and then gone right up their backside and stayed there for about 10 minutes till they got out of your road? Well, sadly, I have done that a few times, but, but not now. I'll let them go and I'll, I'll even give them space. And you know, amazingly, what I find is the person in front also slows down. He says, this guy didn't get angry. This guy did, you know, there's something different. You know, I just find that the, the whole row of traffic, it's happened to me a few times and got affected because I did the right thing there. Why? Because it's exceedingly above what we can ask or think because that divine nature is in us. God's helping us every day. His wisdom, he says in the Bible, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and I will give it to you. So God is in control. He is able. Call out to him in prayer. God is a conqueror. He has conquered sin. You don't need to be on the bondage of sin. God's love can conquer every relationship that's in your life. There are things going wrong all over society. Uh, look at the race riots that are happening all over the world. And, uh, you know, if only God's love would get into the hearts of these people to love one another, what a different world we would have. And God's satisfaction that he gives through the remedy of himself is going to give us what no other earthly thing can give us. In closing, can I tell you this, the last part of that verse, he says, according to the power that works in us. It is God's presence that brings comfort into our lives. God's presence that brings comfort into our lives. It's according to God's presence that's working through our lives. And here's the second impossibility mentioned in this passage. Not only that we might know what is unknowable, but in verse 16, um, sorry, verse 19, he talks about that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Wow. Have you been filled with the fullness of God? Can you say that God is fully in your life? But that's the prayer he's praying, exceedingly above all that you ask or think. But how does that happen? That God would come into your heart through his spirit and you give God full control of that. And the Bible says, according to the power that works in us. Not power to be a dictator, but power to be the best possible person that God made you to be. Power in showing tremendous love. Power in being the kindest person, the gentlest person. Power in bringing a calmness to troubled situations. You know, when you're in, a, in an argument, are you the one who is uh, stirring it up more or are you the one who is calming it down? 
you know, according to the power that works in us, the Spirit will woo you. The Spirit will say, uh, you, you know, this is not the Spirit of Jesus. And then you find that the fullness of God in you. You're doing more and more of what God himself would do in that situation. You know, I, uh, the picture I think of is the children of Israel as they journeyed uh, through the desert, through the wilderness. God gave them two visual signs that he was always with them. He gave them a pillar of cloud by the day and he gave them a pillar of fire by night. So every time the children of Israel in this desert place, uh, not having any friends, not having any shops, they would look around and they, the first thing they see is the cloud by day. And they say, oh, Jehovah God, thank you. Your presence is with us. That's enough. That's going to keep us driving forward to where you want us to go. And in the night, when the fears of night come around and, and there are strange noises in the night, God says, I'm giving you the pillar of fire by night. And they look at that fire, pillar of fire and they see the fire and they say, God is present, we need not fear. And so you'll find that the presence of God will bring comfort into your heart. It'll bring courage into your heart to take that next step. To say, God, you're with me, you're able you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more. And Lord, you work within me powerfully to bring out your character, your divine life within me. And that's enough, God. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to journey with you on this life. No matter what pandemics hit me, you're able. Lord, you're exceedingly above able. And Lord, your presence is always with me. So I'm going to journey with you. And the apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 1 whether by life or death. He said, you know, if I die, there's no big thing. Whether by life or death, that I might glorify God, that God might be glorified through my life. And that's the, that's the spirit God puts within you. You know, to be with Christ is far better. But God has a work for you to do here while you are on this earth. And the way he wants you to journey is like what verse 20 says. Would you do that today as we just bow our heads now in a word of prayer? And we're going to ask God to help you in your situation, in your living rooms. And if you do not know Christ, I'm going to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray it after me in the silence of your home. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's a cry of faith. It's the inclination of your heart to God this morning. And the eyes of God are roving to and fro. And he will... His eyes will fix on you and the offer of salvation will be made to you and you can call out to God and God will save you. So let's pray and I'm going to commit, uh, say this prayer and after that we'll have a song and then um, uh, brother, you're going to finish up. Brother Andrew will finish up. Yeah, okay. So let, let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, it's uh, so rich and uh, so full of meaning and purpose to us this morning. Lord, we need this word. We need your power. We need your strength. We know, Lord, you want to do so much more in our lives. Oh, God, we know you're able. You're in control. Thank you, God, you're in control. And this morning, Lord, I want to just pray for anyone who is outside of your kingdom, who does not know you. Maybe you've just tuned in for the first time this morning. Maybe you were just surfing and you just clicked on this. And you said, something's tugging at my heart right now. 
Would you say this prayer? Lord Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner. I've been infected and defiled by sin all my life. Lord, my life is full of confusion. I'm, I have no hope, but you are the God of all hope. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on my place in the cross. Lord, I thank you that Jesus carried my sins on the cross. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse all my sin. I ask you now, Lord, to cleanse me from all my sin. Apply the blood of Jesus upon my life. Oh, God, renew your spirit within me. Oh, God, make me a new creation. Help me to walk this Christian life the way you want me to walk it. I know you're in control. I know you will do exceedingly above all. And I know you will comfort me through your presence. Help me, dear Lord, in this journey. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.